September 29th, 2019. Howie writes Kelly Robinson at ABC. Kelly, we have had some conversations here and of course watched the Friday night special on Siegfried and Roy. I decided today it might be most efficient to share some thoughts with you and see if you still want to talk further. On a very positive note, I spoke with a friend who is involved in animal film, who a few years ago was involved in a situation where he was asked to be on 2020 Dateline and Inside Edition. He worked with all three and told us he found your colleagues to be by far the best to work with and was encouraging about reaching understandings that would be honored. The people he came to trust were Jay Shadler, Tom Berman, and Kim Lanier. Not positive was our reaction to Siegfried and Roy. Tammy had spoken with our Susan Bass Wednesday doing fact-checking. Based on that conversation, we had high hopes. After the show, supporters have been commenting negatively to us, and we have published our views without pulling any punches here so that we can send them to our reactions to it. BigKaraski.org forward slash ABC-2020 Siegfried and Roy. I spoke with the folks at Turpentine Creek that were involved, whom we know well. The ABC crew spent five hours there, and the sanctuary staff were given the impression that the second hour would be much more devoted to exposing the plight of the animals. Either that was not the intention, or somewhere along the way that changed. Regardless, in contrast to the very positive comments from our friend who worked with 2020 a few years ago, this creates an issue of trust. Carol and I have had the weekend to think and talk. Please understand that we have spent literally hundreds of hours over the last six months rehashing the Joe battle with writers. We have also been working with three documentary makers with films being edited at this point. There includes reference to the Joe situation, but are about the broader captive big cat situation, each coming at it differently or focusing on a different aspect. Despite all this, what has not been done, and could be the most meaningful investigative work, is focus on the cub petting industry that Joe was part of. While Joe was uniquely flamboyant, and of course the whole murder for hire thing is off the charts, he is not the only bizarre character in this incredibly successful sham industry, driven by half a dozen or so breeders who are responsible for probably 90% of the rampant breeding of excess tigers. Mario Tabro in Miami spent time in prison for some mix of drug dealing and animal trafficking, as I recall, and was implicated but not charged in the murder and grinding up of a DEA agent. There is more color to his story. Jeff Lowe, successor to Joe, was convicted of mail fraud, arrested in Las Vegas, where he was allegedly bringing cubs into the hotel in rollerboard suitcases and set up in a residential house to do cub petting. The animals were reported to be in bad medical shape when confiscated by authorities. He and his wife reportedly actively shop for threesome partners. Kevin, Doc Antel, operates a cult where young women are lured into his apprentice program, totally cut off from the outside world for years, mentally manipulated like in any cult. One was convinced to have breast surgery like that has something to do with animal internship. Some become his wives and get special privileges, according to reports. Antel keeps tigers in what amount to reinforced horse stalls from what we have seen in the only undercover photos. Antel is reported to have a crematorium, where cubs are destroyed when no longer useful, but there are no witnesses that we know of, only rumors. The risk in sending you to Antel is that he is, in our view, the Bernie Madoff of the cub petting conman industry, and most convincing liar of them all. 
About four years ago, a reporter with good credentials called, saying he was doing an expose on Antle for Rolling Stone. He drank Antle's Kool-Aid and did a fluff piece that serious writers mocked. Antle manages to successfully convince people that cub petting helps conservation because he donates a tiny fraction of revenue to work in the wild. That is like saying dogfighting helps animal adoption if they donate a few dollars to the local shelter. And no one looks at the nonprofit he touts. If they did, they would see that 80% of the funds go to animal care, presumably the same animals used in his much larger for-profit operation. Another possible thread is PETA's efforts suing Kathy Stearns near us and Tim Stark in Indiana, another of couple of colorful characters in groundbreaking cases, arguing that using the cubs in this way violates the Endangered Species Act. Yet another is the efforts of the Big Cat Public Safety Act, which would end cub petting. The bill has passed out of committee in the House and was just introduced in the Senate. The untracked captive big cat population, which is kept supplied from the outcasts of the petting trade, i.e. the cubs who survive, also has a non-obvious impact on the tiger in the wild. After much effort, we managed to get an email from the State Department confirming that the captive population here is problematic to their work, convincing other nations to join the U.S. in resisting tiger farming and legalizing the illegal trade. See attached. The specific reason for that is when the U.S. tries to oppose Chinese tiger farming, the Chinese repeatedly counter by saying, at least we know where our tigers are. See Judy Mills' book, The Blood of the Tiger. Public awareness of the plight of exotic animals has been growing at an accelerating rate. I wrote an article about that that was published in Britannica if you care to read it. And it's about, it's 2018, how the struggle for women's suffrage 100 years ago is like the battle to stop the abuse of big cats. The topic of captive big cats is current. In addition to articles and podcasts published on Joe and the documentaries mentioned above in the works, Nat Geo will soon publish a major article, and there is another podcast on the broader issues in the works by a very credentialed writer. But no one is focusing in depth on cub petting, which is the biggest part of the problem, because it drives the excessive breeding and all of these aged-out cubs living in miserable conditions, if they live at all. For brief discussion of cub petting, see cubtruth.com. A program exposing cub petting as the overarching concept and having the battle between Carol and Joe as a subplot could break ground and provide a real service in educating people about the misery that goes on behind the scenes in this industry. But, and I say this sincerely because I respect that broadcasting is a business, it needs viewers and has a right to a mission it defines. But I'm not sure if an altruistic goal like that is part of 2020's mission, and I may be wasting your time. So let me draw to a close. While it could change, here is our current thinking. If you want to do yet one more copycat rehash of the Joe versus Carol battle that is already out there in multiple formats, characterize it inaccurately as a feud like the podcast, and put Carol through yet again having to respond to 20-year-old lies about her former husband's disappearance, which has nothing to do with the battle with Joe other than Joe repeating the old lies, Honestly, we have had enough and are not inclined to spend any time on it. I'm sure you can make it without us. We work 60 hours. We work 60-hour weeks without reporters, and the past efforts have been a real strain. If you want to do something that would have a chance of being truly meaningful, maybe even become known as the blackfish of cub petting, 
we would be happy in any way we can to introduce you to other people to talk to. I hope I have not wasted too much of your time. Maybe all I did was save you a phone call. Howard Baskin, Advisory Board Chairman, Big Cat Rescue. If you're enjoying my diary, please like, share, and subscribe. You can find other ways to connect to me over at bigcatrescue.org forward slash carol.baskin.